All right. Welcome back to a very special edition of Friends from Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's a podcast that's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and my longtime friend, Robbie Earl, to which I am sitting across the table from. Wow. In Austin, Texas. What an honor to be back in the Earl Sanctum. I think the real question is, is it better? Like, I, I think we can agree that this is one of the better things we could be doing, sitting across the table from each other. I think the question is, is it better to have microphones between us and be podcasting? Or is it better to have Torchy's queso between us? Well, that's happening later. Don't worry. Yeah. Maybe we'll find a way to merge the <laughs> two one day. Live episode from Torchy's. Oh, wow. Torchy's? Hey. With a few tacos, maybe a little little salsa, a little queso. I mean, we're always looking for partnership opportunities. Sure. It's a Texas institution. Also, P. Terry's, if you're listening again. Right, hey. You know, whatever. Well, anyways, this is an exciting day because it's a throwback day in it is. kind of a lot of different ways. One, because I'm here with you, which is kind of fun. But two... We've talked about this in previous episodes, but this podcast originated based on the rewatch, which mm-hmm. was movies that had come out five, eight, ten years ago, and we had seen 80 times already. We knew what we wanted to talk about. Then the new content kicked off, actually ironically, with WandaVision. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing, but, you know— you and I are feeling it out as we go, just like mm-hmm. everyone else. And so this is kind of fun. It's now been, believe it or not, two plus years, right? Yeah. Since WandaVision, which is crazy. And so officially, I think enough time has passed. We've viewed it enough times. And we now have context of phase four yes. to kind of come back to it as a rewatch. Yeah. It's been, well, it's also been over two years since we've done an episode like this. Oh, because uh, I we technically we did something like this for Far From Home way back. Um, we're going to wind up doing a, a rewatch of Far From Home within the context of Phase Four because yeah, I, I think it makes a lot more sense. I'm also just just we have not we haven't gotten to talk about this yet, but what I'm going to try to do, and I just need to find the the exact lingo here. Actually, if you're listening and you have any thoughts here, this would be a fun uh, a fun exercise to see what people think. I think we need to come up with a different terminology than phase because Ooh. it's going to start to get confusing with projects like Black Widow that I now think of as a phase three film, but it's not. It's a phase four film. And like Far From Home is a phase three film in, in reality, but I think of it as a phase four film. <laughs> So I feel like we need oh, to like have we different... Won't, we won't have a rewatch of Black Widow now because of that. And we already have one for Far From Home. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. So we're going to have to... Although we will... We were talking about this the other day. I think that we'll be able to go back and cover the the Black Widow rewatch uh, as we're maybe getting ready for Thunderbolts. Mm. I feel like that'll be a, a good way to do that. Mm. Or, you know, at some point, we're just going to want to go back and do like a full-on <laughs> rewatch and we'll see what that looks like. You don't have to convince us. Um, but yeah, so I, I need to figure out one thing that's going to be fun about today is unveiling like some terminology that I that I think we've kind of uncovered as we're looking through what the Phase 4 rewatch order will be. Um, but yeah, maybe it's a... You know, maybe it's like a part four, not a not a phase four. I don't I'm know. sorry, I can't stop thinking about torches now. So I'm that, sorry, you did this. I did that. <laughs> uh, Anyways, part four, phase four, yeah, season four. 
season four right now. Yeah, but see, yeah, and that's, that's also that's also tricky. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I say that because what I wanted to talk about before we we jump in that we highlighted a bit on last week's episode is I think even though a lot of the watch order that we're going to be going through has not changed a ton from the one that we talked about at the end of season three. Mm-hmm. A few things have changed. Um, and I think we'll just kind of explore that as we go bit by bit. And we'll also, we'll, we'll correct it on the website in case you're wanting to just follow it along. But I would rather talk about it um, in what I think are, I, I think of as kind of chapters within uh, this this phase or part four or whatever you want to say. Um, and I think like the, the more I've, I've looked at it that way, the more it makes sense. Like I see certain through lines, I see arcs that I think are more satisfying. And I think it's just, uh, it, in my mind, a way of taking what is definitely the most like decentralized phase of Marvel projects and making it feel more like there is a center, like there is, in fact, there are these kind of milestone moments. And so the way that we've set that up, we start with WandaVision, which we're obviously about to talk about, um, and then we end with Multiverse of Madness. And I think that there's a lot of symmetry there. But then also there are these kind of middle projects. Um, And so, like I said on the last episode, you can start breaking this down into like, halves and then quarters and it sounds ridiculous but I, th- I think that there's something there because you you basically have a first half here that will start with WandaVision and end with Loki and then you have a second half that will start with No Way Home and end with Multiverse of Madness and so you kind of start to see how there are all these other projects but like the big tentpole ones of what we're thinking of the the start of the multiverse saga are the openers and closers of each of these little um, smaller chapters and, and sections. So all I know is I'm just along for the ride. I do what you tell me. I think but it's going to be fun. Are be fun. we going to reveal that to everyone as a big deal or is it going to be more just like you're going to only give us a quarter at a time? I think we're just going to do a quarter at a time. But okay. like I said, we will, we'll put the full order up, like make sure that's updated on the website. So if okay. you just want to rewatch it, but I think in terms of the discussion and the framing of it, I think it's going to be more fun to do that kind of uh, arc by arc. So the first arc, so people yeah. at least can be watching because they might not be able to, you know, stay exactly week by week right. with this. The first arc that we're doing is WandaVision, mm-hmm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. Far From Home, yep. pause. Yep. Okay. And that's a perfect uh, transition here because, yeah, this this first arc, you know that I like to come up with little names for things. Oh, uh, please tell me you came up with something. <laughs> I didn't know this. This first one, uh, I've these are all just notes that I, I've had, obviously, too much free time while I've been recovering from the surgery. <laughs> um, so I've just been calling it uh, a vision of the past. <sighs> and you, you are good at a lot of things, <laughs> but that may be your greatest talent. And by the way, it's a good reason to sign up for Friends from Work Plus, by the way, because mm. your Sunday selections are so well written. Oh, and wow. I think Thank you. as a little teaser, we're going to be working in more of you writing things as we go forward, which is kind of fun. So it has been fun. 
I'm excited about that. And You're I think, so good at it. Wow, well, thank you. I think that it's been, uh, again, I've had too much time. But that it, that has been a fun part of Friends from Work Plus and hopefully um, something, just a, a different, we're kind of building more variety on Friends from Work Plus in general mm-hmm. in, in terms of the kinds of things that we're offering. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been one that's been fun, but we have a couple other things that are also fun. So more on that. But this, uh, this, Vision of the past chapter here. Um, it's about, I think, uh, trying and failing to hold on to what was. Oh, okay. Thematic arcs here. Yeah. Hello. So it's coming together for me. It, from Wanda's literal recreation of the past. <laughs> to like so much. the botched attempts to to find a new Steve Rogers. Yeah, right. Right. And also to find the new Tony Stark. Like if right. you think about the way that even Peter is thinking about what a new Tony Stark needs to be and his conclusion within Far From Home and obviously this evolves even further in No Way Home, but is there there can't be another Tony Stark. Like I can be something else that helps to like, you know, carry some of that weight in my own way, but it's not going to be me looking and acting and thinking like, Tony, it's going to be me being a different character. I'll be interested to see how you differentiate then like Hawkeye, um, Loki, because they're, I mean, Loki obviously has the multiversal thing, so that's how you can use that. But as someone who just watched the first two episodes of Loki last night, Mm -hmm. uh, they're still reflecting too on on past yeah. decisions and things that affected them, you know. Yeah. Well, man, this is going to be so fun to get into because there, I think, is a lot of uh, part of the reason why I like having it into these like chapters. Then within like these halves is because there's almost symmetry there. Uh, like once we get into like the chapter three here, which will have Hawkeye, you start to see how. Yes, they're reflecting, but I think in a fundamentally more like it, it's more future oriented. Like you start to see it's almost the the mirror image where it's like it's showing the other way of like that rather than just being like Clint trying to, to regain like relationships that were, it's more him recognizing and especially by the end, like with the way that that. Hawkeye ends with Kate and even like the fact that it ends with him burning the Ronin costume. Like there's more of a clear, like we are willing to, to move on to the next thing. Like if I don't know if there's ever been a better statement of like, okay, enough with the infinity saga. Here's me burning the costume I wore in Endgame. you know, like, and moving forward. And so I think that there's, and then the, you know, okay. so there's, we'll have a lot of conversations about these different parallels, but I, there are definitely other reflection oriented projects. I think what makes these work so well at the top is these are like, we came into these projects, finishing the infinity saga and having, which was especially towards the end, almost universally loved. And so you couldn't help, but come back and want to continue writing that high and want more of that stuff. And that was built largely around two characters that are no longer in the franchise. Mm-hmm. And so I think you really see that in, in Falcon Winter Soldier and Far From Home. Uh, 
even even by the way, like in the 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 very the the final ending, the stinger where Peter's identity is revealed, I kind of love as a a way of looking at the futility of running it back. Because if you contrast that, which is sort of like starting the rest of of you know the the phase four with the end of the first Iron Man, you know, which is in so many ways the way we think of the Infinity Saga kicking off, although it's not the first film we do in our watch order, where it's it's so different the way that the identity reveal goes. Like, Tony, that just makes him into the ultra celebrity. Like, now everybody loves him and he's the most famous person in the world and everything's great until he, you know, is dying because of the the poison from whatever element. Um, uh, palladium. Yes. Yes. Oh, nice, nice, nice. But here it's right. It's like, even that we see how the same kind of beat goes so differently, like just to hammer in, like he's not Tony Stark. That's not what we're doing. We're telling different stories. So I think it's, I think it's a, to me, a, uh, a more compelling way of looking at all of this. And, and we'll kind of keep going through each project, but I think as much as Falcon Winter Soldier and Far From Home do the, the Cap and Tony work, I still think that WandaVision is the best way to start Phase 4, both because of the way that it it sort of slowly unveils the post-Endgame world, like just bit by bit. Um, I think it adds to the mystery of the show itself. I think that there's, like I said, a lot of symmetry between this and ending with Multiverse of Madness on a mer- multiversal level. But I also think this is, if we're going to start an, an arc about trying to hold on to the past and failing, I think that this is the most... It's the strongest one for sure. Yeah. Not not in terms of quality, but also in right. terms of thematic content. It's the most... It's the most about that. And it's the most tragic and yeah. and it's it's the most that you ever feel like... Yeah, you don't really get like a, a, a wrapping up at the end, really, in like yeah. a happy way. It's just like, again, we end with Wanda having to leave behind everything that she was trying to hold on to and moving into something else, but not in a, it's not the same way that we, you know, as we get on into further projects, like again, talking about what would be like part three, where you end on sort of a happy note of like, look, Spider-Man's like found himself and like, look, like there's a new Hawkeye on the horizon and like, look, Shuri's made peace with like the memory of her brother and is now like claiming the Black Panther mantle sort of confidently. Like that's not really where we leave. Right. Wanda, like it's on a much more uncertain, in a much more uncertain place. And I, I want to talk about that too in a second <laughs> or at the end of the episode, because something you and I, I think, agreed on as we were first rewatching this. Yes. Is how much I think that. We'll get into this part. Yeah, I, I think that the, the, the ending of WandaVision, like, it asks for further re- resolution, I think, in a way that maybe we didn't quite. Uh, recognize at the time that I think is, is more clear with hindsight. I just got to say something here real quick. Let's be fully transparent. There are podcasts out there that know more about comics than we do. There are podcasts out there that are going to find Easter eggs faster than we ever will. There are podcasts out there that are better than us at breaking news. Show me the podcast that's put more thought into the story <laughs> side of this, though. I, 
show me that podcast. Show me that tree, that Phyllis tree, where, Phil, <laughs> where Phyllis is and Stanley's are just show growing. Show me that tree. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, show me the podcast that has more knowledge on the story side of it. And I mean, I'll, I'll listen to I'll it probably. You. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'll fight you on it. Um, okay, so I love this. That's a great setup, right? That's a great intro. Are yeah, we let's, I say we I say we get into it. Okay. Uh, let's get into WandaVision throwback style after a quick word from these sponsors. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. You tell me if I'm crazy. Should we do it true throwback where... Let's talk a little bit about the plot and catch people up on kind of what happened and big mm-hmm. picture reflections. And then when you rewatched it, what worked, what didn't work, and maybe what is really important now that we've seen phase four. Is that kind of the flow you want to go with? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. You have a lot of the notes, so I'm going to let you drive this one in general. <laughs> yeah. Well, Which and, I love. And you, I think, have I – th- I think WandaVision may be the only project that you have seen more than me. WandaVision might be the only project that I like more than any human being in the world, I think, is (laughs) what it's coming down to. Yeah. Uh, So I feel like if you want to give us a little, like, plot summary of of what happens in WandaVision, then I think we can maybe launch off from there. Well, if you're here, you've already seen it. So we're not going to go through every single detail, and we won't go episode by episode because this is the first time we're doing a rewatch of a show, which is obviously different than the movies where we can break down every part of it. But Mm -hmm. in general, obviously what you need to know is that this is sitcom-based, and at the time, one of the craziest things was we didn't know what was going to happen. So I think one of the coolest things for me, and and by the way, I want to add this, we didn't have a screener at the time. Do you remember that? So we didn't know in advance. So all nine episodes were cliffhangers for us like they were for everybody. And Mm -hmm. I also just hold this so fondly in my heart because of what it meant for our podcast. This was kind of the turning point for us as a podcast. Anyways, but I remember every week that that credit would roll and Christoph Beck's score would play Wanda's theme. I remember being like, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't know I could care this much again Mm -hmm. like I do. And I want to know what's going on. Like, even they could have an entire episode, like the first episode, where it's just them having the hearts over for dinner. They're playing off a 50s thing. They're dressed in all 50s attire. It's in black and white. And nothing of real consequence happens almost the entire episode. It's just kind of funny and, like, I feel like Wanda, I think, where it's like as a viewer, I feel like just charmed to be there. Like it's just kind of like magical mm-hmm. to me uh, as like a throwback to, to an era that I don't really fully understand. So it feels like mysterious. But right. very little happens. And all they have to do is have one scene where Mr. Hart chokes on his food and Wanda snaps out of character and goes, Vision, help him. And I have chills right now just saying that because – You've been lulled to sleep in that it's just a charming thing. And then Mm -hmm. for 30 seconds only, the music gets creepy and it's executed so masterfully, in my opinion, that that 30 seconds is like, what the heck did I just see? Right. And I remember those moments being special because and I can't remember if it's episode one or two where we zoom out and see hands, which end up being Darcy. But at the time, we're like, what? Somebody's watching this. What the heck? Yeah, I think episode one. Yeah, I think so. So it's just those hands and it's just Mr. Hart choking on the food. That's the only part, the whole thing that's weird. Yeah. 
And I remember thinking, what am I watching? Mm -hmm. Like I'm watching an actual sitcom. They're actually doing it. And that blew my mind. And I'm not going to do this for every episode, but they continue that pattern with the 60s in the second episode where really the only weird thing is, and by the way, the weird things start to escalate. There start to be more and more Uh weird things, right? So now in the 60s one, it's, the beekeeper and the helicopter that's uh-huh. got color on it. And you're like, doesn't make sense. And then the crazy scene of Wanda going, nope. And it goes and rewinds yeah, yeah. and it chills again, just reenacting it. Uh-huh. And you're again like, okay, so now she can control it or somebody is telling her to like start over, which uh-huh. is crazy. And we just keep going, right? It's the 70s episode. She gives yeah. birth to kids, which is weird because it's in this sitcom, but now right. she has kids and the time sped up. Instead of nine right. months, it's like twenty minutes, and well, and it's it's so crazy at that point because what you're what you're seeing is characters that you've known outside of the sitcom world operating by sitcom rules yes. in a way where like where things can happen that don't make sense, and it's like there's a certain way that you approach a sitcom where it's like someone can be like it's that thing where someone can say something very clearly, and the person go, wait, what did you say? And then, like, the joke is, like, they'll just repeat a different sentence. Yeah. And the character never knew the thing that they had said before, right? You know, it's like, yeah, Yeah. like, you can do all this, all these kinds of, like, rule-bending things that Shackman, who has a history in sitcom world, is is familiar with. But it's so interesting doing, like, seeing all that unfold, like you're saying, with these characters that we have seen operate in more, like, like, in a more grounded, like, realistic Civil War-type vibe. Then we get to episode three, which is probably uh, one of two maybe biggest cliffhangers, which is that yeah. Geraldine walks up to Wanda and actually legitimately somehow something snaps her out of character and she looks to Wanda and actually asks her about Pietro. Mm-hmm. And that's when Wanda – I have chills again. I'm going to get chills so many times talking about this. Uh, that's when Wanda gets out of character too and like has the whole confrontation of like – what did you say? How do you know Ultron? What? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And then it leaves with her throwing her out of the house. And and then you see her come out of this bubble that we've now seen. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. that's the first time we're going to get a break and we're going to head out of the, the WandaVision bubble itself. But by the way, a couple notable things there. Like, all the songs that they chose for the end of the credits were so fun. Like, Voodoo Child. Like, they're all appropriate uh-huh. to what we're right. watching. Just in every way, in my opinion, executed to perfection. In, right. my, in my opinion. Right. Um, but that's the first time where it gets, like, I think real serious. Where it's like, Wanda might actually be, like, evil here. Like, she, she's yeah. doing some stuff. Instead of, it, like, hey, something weird's going on. It's like, yeah. And that's what ends with, uh, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. That I I th- like that look she gives Monica. It's whenever Wanda tilts her head, it's yeah, like stuff's yeah. about to go down and it's not good stuff. <laughs> go back, there's memes about this. Yeah. The history of Wanda, whenever she tilts her head, it's like, uh oh. <laughs> you pissed her off and it's irreversible. <laughs> yeah, because there may even be a head tilt in uh There is. In Civil War. Anytime you're really thinking when she goes like yeah. vision, it goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, and then uh, episode four was a real game changer because now we see the outside and we see mm-hmm. sword and that there's someone trying to break into this. Then episode five, we go back to resuming the sitcoms with, I guess, now the 80s. We get mm-hmm. an 80s and a 90s episode, not to fast forward, but more and more stuff goes down. And we right. start wondering, is something else in play? Because I think the big takeaway from episode five, six is that now – Juan is getting really loose about all of her rules around her neighbor, Agatha. And that's when you start getting weirded out. Like mm-hmm. one of the coolest 
character breaks of the sitcom to me in the whole series is when Agatha says, do you want me to do that again? That's not how it's supposed to go. You want me to take that again? Yeah. And I have chills right now again, as if it's like a show. And then that's when Vision is starting to now question everything. And did Vision's you really like, not hear that? Did you not hear that? And that's yeah. when there starts to become this huge dividing line of like, Wanda, like you heard that. Like, yeah. Why are you acting so weird? And Wanda keeps trying to like gloss over of like, oh, she's just being silly. Can't help if she has a strong libido. Right. And like all this stuff. But now Vision's starting to question too. Mm-hmm. And so then that's when episode seven, he kind of goes on a quest to figure this out himself. He's clearly drifting way apart from Wanda. Um, they're, they're not communicating anymore. Mm-hmm. He is getting burned. And uh, you also get the Agatha all along thing in that five, six, seven chunk. Right. Which is well, and Pietro or Fietro. And Fietro. And so stuff just kind of escalates there. You find out that Agatha is in play in this. Wanda's in play. She doesn't know what extent her powers are doing it or how mm-hmm. it really originated. It's almost like she kind of Dark Phoenix is it. It's almost like yeah. when she's doing that, she almost goes to like a different person for a little bit. Like something is also, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. she she doesn't have a full memory of it. But as she starts processing stuff, she starts realizing what's happening. Vision starts realizing what's happening via the world colliding. Again, I'm summing mm-hmm. up a masterful nine episode right. arc, but I'm summing up real fast. And then it kind of all comes to a head with Sword finally breaking in, getting in, Wanda realizing that it is her doing this and Mm -hmm. Agatha coming out and saying she is a bad person, she's a witch, but she's trying to figure out what Wanda, like what power is Wanda using to do this? Mm -hmm. You get a flashback to like the 1800s or whatever, the 1700s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it all kind of culminates in Wanda realizing her power that she is the Scarlet Witch and she doesn't need someone else to tell her who she is. Uh, Mm -hmm. Check out that song. And then (laughs) having to release everyone from uh, Westview and ultimately say goodbye to her kids and Vision in doing that. And it's really depressing. And you find out the Darkhold, which we'll get into in a second, does play a factor in this. And Wanda escapes before she can get into trouble. Yeah. And that's the end of WandaVision. Wow, that was very well done. <laughs> that was also like way longer than I wanted it to be, but didn't feel long to me. Uh, Those are like the main story yeah, beats. Yeah, no, and and no, I, I love that. I think there is something on a, on a story front that I do want to start with, though. Yeah, one of the biggest controversies for Annika and I mm-hmm. with Multiverse of Madness is how much do you buy the progression of Wanda mm. resolves everything at the end of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. And so this is so out of the out of the left field. Right. Like she shouldn't be doing all this stuff versus how much of it is actually solved. How much does the Darkhold have control of her? And do you buy that logical leap from that to, you know, killing Charles Xavier? Right. And to the degree that you buy that, I do think that largely affects your opinion on the last movie in our rewatch. Oh, yeah. You Absolutely. Know? And, Absolutely. And I think that's a huge factor yeah. for, like, my wife. Yeah, you're always going to have, like, little critiques on that movie, mm-hmm. you know, one way or another, like a directorial thing. But really at the heart of it, the dislike right. comes from, is that a logical leap for Wanda? Right. And I'll just say this and I'll toss it to you. Yeah. At first – Watching WandaVision the first three times with four Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. I thought, I don't really buy this. I don't think it is a, a, a logical leap. Mm-hmm. After now seeing Multiverse of Madness and doing this rewatch, I think I buy it more than I ever have. I'm not saying it's perfect, uh-huh. but there are more references to the Darkhold. There are more references to like the pure evil it can cause, uh-huh. the chaos within, within her. And early on, you realize like there are references to Wanda doing this like against people's will. Yeah. And there are more of those hints of her being like bad, quote unquote, 
or at least conflicted, mm-hmm. uh, more than I ever thought before. So I don't know that I've fully gotten there yet. In fact, on my current rewatch, I haven't got to Multiverse of Madness right. to see how well that jumps. But there was more than I thought. I'll toss it to you now. Yeah, no, I told that was one of my big takeaways from this watch having because I think it was just the first time I've seen WandaVision since I watched Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think we talked on our Multiverse of Madness episode, our, our initial one, about, you know, you can certainly find throughout Wanda's history. And I actually think this is one of the things that WandaVision did really well, like I noticed on this last watch is there's that scene uh, in episode four where Hayward is talking about, like, well, wasn't she initially a villain? Like, wasn't she fighting the Avengers from the Mm get-go? And then wasn't she the whole reason we had to have the Sokovia Accords? And, like, he's going through, like, yeah, I get that you're saying she's an Avenger, but there's also an argument to be made that she's as much a villain as she is a hero. And then, you know, we have Jimmy Woo, pushing back on that. And we as the viewer, obviously, in that It's an oversimplification of yeah. events. Yeah, <laughs> like we push back. But it is, that, like, I think it does a good job of laying, like making a case that we will then kind of come back to at the end of our rewatch here. Because you're right, like there's there are two sides of this. There, One, I think that they did, they showed enough in Wanda's past, both in the films we've seen and the way it's articulated, in WandaVision and shown in WandaVision for me to buy that she has a an ability to maybe lean into a certain darkness. Mm. Now, if, and this is where the second part comes in, if the dark cold were not in play and we just saw Wanda as a character progress straight from where we had seen her in the Infinity Saga through WandaVision to Multiverse of Madness then I would say that's a crazy leap. But I think where it starts to make sense to me is we see that she's always kind of, she's leaned that way. Like even, I mean, the the way that she messes with Tony in Age of Ultron is like super dark, like from the very beginning. So we see that she's not going to shy away from that. And then we see her end WandaVision both confident in her ability to kind of master this thing that Agatha has really played up as a big deal and a scary thing. And we see her kind of wounded and wanting to, like, even even more susceptible because she has something that she wants. Like, she's trying to gain something back that she thinks she can get through the dark hold. That Agatha point is true. Because I think when I watched, like, the, the finale the first time, I just uh-huh. took away, like, that's so cool that she's now confident in who she is. Right. And she's so powerful. And that got me so jazzed up. But on this rewatch, you do notice that like Agatha is scared of it. Like she, Mm -hmm. she has lines like you have no idea what you've done. The same thing that Multiverse of Madness references, which is like destined to, what is it? Destined to rule all or like destroy the world or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I should know this now, but like the Scarlet Witch is, you know, this and this and this, and it's, it's not pleasant. And Wanda's kind of just like, I know who I am. Which right. at the time we were like, I get that. It's cool. Go yeah, Wanda. It's like, yeah, exactly. But there were hints and groundwork was laid for mm-hmm. them to then be like, Wanda didn't fully know what she was becoming. Yeah. Yeah. No, Again, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. I'm not 100% there yet. Sure. But there, uh, there are a couple of moments. I'm trying to think what the other one is. I know I've got it in my notes somewhere. But a couple of things here in, in phase four 
that now that I've seen the whole picture, I, I think would actually feel incomplete had they not been followed up on in ways that I think people had seen as controversial. And I think maybe Love and Thunder is one, and you and I were talking about that the, the other day. But this, I think, is kind of one, because whether you, and you're totally right, I think that there's a lot, there's so much stylistically to Multiverse of Madness that I think people are either going to be into or not. And it's the most, like, I think you could argue that that's one of the movies, I would say, maybe the most of any MCU movie that has like a directorial stamp on it the way that it does, where it's like, it feels like such a part of what you're watching that you really need to be into Danny Elfman, not Danny Elfman, although <laughs> also that, also <laughs> yeah, that, but Sam Raimi's directing to enjoy it. Like if you're just not liking the, the way that he tells the story, that's automatically going to be kind of a knock on whatever sure. developments happen, even though he didn't write the movie. But so that aside, which I will, I totally understand. I do think that had we just ended like we thought we were right where it was like, Oh yeah. Like, like now Wanda's basically leveled up. It's like her, like, cause I think at the time we almost thought of it as, as her like end of Ragnarok moment, right. Where it's like, Oh, yeah, she's yeah, discovered exactly. her like real God power. of hammers thing. Yeah. And I think, I think that had they done that, they wouldn't have needed to include all of that language you're talking about from Agatha about the Darkhold. By the way, you're 100% right. That is how I thought of it. The oh, same. Time. Yeah, same. And I think that I think that's why it was so... Jarring like, when Multiverse Madness happened. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, like, it's... Well, and even at the very end when she's, like, messing with the Darkhold and she's levitating yeah. and, like, she hears her kids' voices. Right. At the time, I just thought that is like, oh, now she's so powerful that she can like go through this stuff mm -hmm. and she's going to go rescue somebody. I didn't really fully right. process like maybe what she's doing is bad in the first place. Uh -huh. And like the fact that she can do it maybe is a signal that she's messing with something that, you know what I'm saying? At yeah. the time, oh, yeah. we didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I think, and that's, I you know, I go back and forth. Uh, one thing that I've gone back and forth on a, a lot as I've been rewatching and and had different experiences with things is like how much, how much pressure should we put on creators to get across what they need to get across to people in one viewing? Like, because I, I recognize the vast majority of people that are watching TV and, and, and movies watch things, you know, once or twice at most, especially TV shows. Uh, and I recognize that this whole podcast is built around us rewatching things. And, and I, I struggle with that because I have always been of the mind that if I really love a thing, I want to dig into it a little bit because I, I think that, including books or anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like the CS Lewis quote that I think I probably have thrown out before, but it's whenever he, he said, he, I can't imagine really loving a book and only reading it once. Because it's like, I, I think that as soon as you have a, you know, in, in movie world, you, the first while, like Ant-Man is such a great example of that, Quantumania. We talked about in our initial reactions how much you and I were constantly like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And that is, is kind of, that holds all of your attention, just like what is happening on a plot level. And now if something looks really bad or if there's a really bad performance, 
then that'll bring you out of it. And that's what we need. But I think generally it almost, for me, if I want to really evaluate the thing and really get into like, what are the themes here? What is it maybe saying about the future of this character or this narrative? I feel like I almost have to have at least two viewings of a thing um, to do that effectively. I mean, obviously you can do it without, but I say all that. I I think, I think the real example, and again, this is becoming our new dark world is love and thunder, oh, right? right? Like yeah. that, the more we watch it, the more you are asking, like, do you think he's actually thinking Taika at that right. level and adding all this layer? Right. Or are we just like way reading yeah. too much into it? But, but there's no way you can catch some of that stuff on a first viewing. And yeah. And, yeah. But, but the, the That's thing. That's become our new dark world. We right. have to get a love which and thunder. I, which reference. I love. <laughs> but I think it's, it's, uh, I'm biased, so it doesn't really, you know, I, I clearly like doing that and have always liked doing that. Sure. Um, so it doesn't really hold a ton of water for me to recommend it. But I do think that, like, whenever I find myself doing what we're doing today, uh, this is when I feel like TV and movies are the most worthwhile. Like, it feels like, like, if I just go watch a show and and I'm kind of distracted by it, essentially. Like, I'm entertained just to the degree that I'm not thinking about other things. Sure. One, that's totally fine. Like, I'm not saying that you, that yeah, that's like You're a, a lesser human. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Like, and I do that with, with other things all the time. Candace makes me watch The Bachelor every week, which, you know, is not the kind that's of thing tough, that I'm going to rewatch three times. That's <laughs> tough, man. Um, but I... Candace does not make me watch The Bachelor, I should say. Um, <laughs> it is Candace puts on The Bachelor. And oh, Candace, hi. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> much likes for me to be around because I am constantly just stop making this comments climber. about it. And she <laughs> likes when you I love The Bachelor. We get it. it. I love it. Honestly, the new all these new announcements we've been teasing. We're just converting <laughs> this into a Bachelor podcast. All right, welcome uh, to The Bachelor <laughs> Two Point no, But but really, by nature, the first watch is a reaction. That's yes, why it's called initial yeah. reactions. Is like we walk out, we go, "That was really really fun." But some of the stuff you can't dive into until later. And so, right. I think the second and third watch is when you start realizing, that I'm like, "Oh, maybe I was a little wrong with my take because I'm seeing what." they were making, like what they were trying to do. Like mm-hmm. I am now inside their room, their writer's room. Yeah. Yeah. And watching this a little bit more. Well, and, and there, are, yeah, I mean, there, are, there are so many levels to that too, because like the conversation that you and I have had about, yeah, was this intended or is this something that came right. about like, like, well, but, but, but you have to be in that room first. Right. Right. Because then once you're in the room, you can still then go, okay, I see what they're doing. Yeah. I just don't like, I disagree. That was yeah. the wrong. If I was in the room, I would have voted against it. Or right. you can now be in the room and be like, okay, I now see what they were trying to do. I think they just missed this. I don't think mm-hmm. they were actually trying to do that. But yeah. you got to like process it a little bit first. Yeah. Yeah. Which and, you cannot do on the first time. And I think the, or at least it's hard. Yeah. And I think that again, I mean, I'm sure, which would be very reasonable. There could be people listening that, that would say that sounds like a lot of work. And yeah, the sure, point of this is. is just to have fun. But I would say like, it's not that you need to do that to, to be like a legitimate fan or to have right. a take on it or anything like that. I'm just saying, I think it's, it's legitimately the most enjoyment I get out of these things. You is get when more I find out of myself, the art. Yeah. Like you find yourself tracing things and you find like things that re Resp- that you respond to specifically. And then it becomes like a real, like 
I'm now interacting with this and seeing things that maybe I'm seeing because of my own background and whatever. And I think that's where it, it starts to, the conversation gets more, more interesting to me. It's our version of Kingpin staring at the white wall. Like that's what we're doing. <laughs> yes. So, so really I really appreciate it. I say all that to say, <laughs> I, I, it's hard when I like, was it jarring? Was Multiverse of Madness jarring because of what Waldron did or what Raimi did or what Shackman did or, or what like the writing team for WandaVision did? And I don't, it's hard because as I look back now, it's way less so. But I think almost everybody felt that Multiverse of Madness was a lot more evil Wanda than we were, than we ever would have expected. As much as there were people predicting she would be the villain, which we were not. I, I truly don't want to get into a Multiverse of Madness episode, so I'm going to save this for that. But I think one thing that you told me that was the, the crux of it all mm-hmm. is that you know, that reveal of her, you know, the camera panning and it's all red and everything's right. dead. That happens really early on and it, it's supposed to be shocking. Like that's the whole point of yeah. the reveal at that point. If they had like slowly gotten into it, they would have had to do a different storytelling device of like flashbacks right. to her like losing it or whatever. And they wanted to do the like the twist, the Dark Knight yeah. type twist, like shock. And so it's going to be that way, I think, regardless if that's the format you're using. And I think honestly, yeah. probably the format they had to use due to the runtime of the film and like what they want right. to get into, et cetera. Well, and, and one thing I will say about Multiverse of Madness that can transition us back into the weeds of WandaVision, I, I, I noticed on my recent Multiverse of Madness watch that line where she says, like after the orchard, had, the, the illusion has disappeared. She basically says like, if if you don't agree to give me America, you know, by whatever time when I come, like, it won't be me that comes for her. It'll be the Scarlet Witch. And I feel like that is about as clear of a, these are two personas. Like, one of these is Wanda. And I think even going back to the the end credits scene here in WandaVision, we see Wanda sitting, like, drinking tea on the steps. And we see her astral form, you know, inside. And it's like, it's starting to show, like, these are different... Like not like Hulk and Banner style, and not even like, like Moon Knight as much. No, no, say. it's but it's like this is the part of her that is that is sort of subject to this dark chaos magic, and she just has like yeah, she has the power to be able to do it, kind of. Yeah. Whereas like Moon Knight, he's not aware of it for a long time that, right. it's, that it's happening. Even at the end, he's not aware that yeah, there's another yeah. one with Jake. But yeah. like, uh, you know, what I mean, there, she she is almost like she is aware of it. But she just has the the ability to like separate yeah. it out, and that's why I'm like I'm so curious to see what Wanda's character looks like moving forward. Please, just more Wanda, please. because Tons of it. because it, it it is like you get the sense that she's on she's teetering there um, between, and again this is I'm, this is my last multiverse madness comment for a second, but I think this takes us back to WandaVision. She's teetering between like if she if she kills America and, and, and does kind of make the commitment to go and steal the, the other Wanda's life or, you know, whatever would have happened, she would be, it seems, kind of giving in wholly to the Scarlet Witch. Like in that moment, it seems like she would, and, and you kind of get that sense in that, in the conversation she has with Strange and the Orchard, we see more of just normal Wanda, like the way they're talking. And she makes that comment. And then every time you see Wanda after that, she's either 
as the Scarlet Witch or she's the Scarlet Witch inhabiting another Wanda. And you see her acting so differently than we ever have before. And so, like, going back here to WandaVision, it's like, is there a way that she ends and that's a triumphant thing? Like, do can we come back and get a version of Wanda where she is, like, the Scarlet Witch? You mean going forward? Yeah, yeah. But, like... Which is, like, the last category I wanted to get into. But, yeah, yeah. Well, we've well, had that discussion before, I think. Actually, you know, find this episode. It was it was fascinating. But yeah, like what is a fulfilling end for that character? Yeah. Yeah, I mean Because if they just go, if they 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 can't do another plot beat of like she loses more. Right. Because right. like that's just tired at that point. Uh-huh. She's literally, you know, it's a it's a race between her and Thor of who's lost more. Right. She can't do that. But can they just like wrap it up neatly anymore? Like, is there even like a, a healthy version of the Scarlet Witch? Right. Is there like a Moon Knight-esque merging of the two? Or like Wanda yeah. can embrace it in a healthy way? Or does it always have to be like a Dark Phoenix type thing where like she almost blacks out when she becomes a Scarlet Witch and it's so powerful so they need her still but like only if they can like aim her. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know what – I don't know the solution is I think it's – I think there's room for it. That would be a hard character to write I think going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's hard because in the comics the Scarlet Witch is Wanda Maximoff. Like it's not – it's not – a corrupted dark hole version. Yeah. Like she is corrupted at times, but not in that way. And I, I do think like, and I don't want to make it too explicit, like it's total two personalities, but I think what's interesting about the way the MCU is doing it is we again, do have those moments of darkness for Wanda going all the way back where it's like, that's in her, like it, mm-hmm. but it's being magnified and, and like made into this uglier, more violent thing than I think it would have been had she not come into contact with the Darkhold. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll just be interesting to see what... And and in fairness, I should say, actually, um, she hasn't come in contact with the Darkhold when she initially kind of suits up as the Scarlet Witch in WandaVision, right? I mean, she was there when Agatha had it, but I don't think she's really delved into it. Uh, she doesn't like, yeah, she doesn't learn it yet. Or I, I do wonder how much like even being in proximity matters. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I just wonder if maybe that it, like, maybe we can come back to, to that. Like maybe there's a world where she can be the Scarlet witch. Um, but without not, the dark, without hole. the dark hole, because now, you know, again, we'll get to that later, but, but yeah. So what else as you rewatch it just in general worked for you plot wise or execution wise or just anything? Yeah, um, I, this is an interesting series to me because one thing I'll say over and over again as we go through the other Disney Plus shows is I think so many of them work better watched in one or or a few sittings. Uh, Like Falcon Winter Soldier, I think is like... Watch three, then watch three a different night and that's it. Yeah, and I think it works much better because in part, like those other ones we've said, feel like they are like long Marvel movies. Cut up. Yeah. And the other result of that is they often feel like there are scenes that wouldn't have made a Marvel movie because you wouldn't have had time for it that then make it here. So and then maybe should have been cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it, it's a weird like. So This was the most episodic and effectively episodic yeah. and probably the most I ever remember people collectively in our culture being like, what's going to happen next week? Yeah. 
Th- this and and She-Hulk are the two projects that I think actually work really well week to week. But then especially with the cliffhangerness of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's those are the ones that I and this, you know, WandaVision was so special in so many ways, but it's like the thing that's so that sets this apart from any other Disney Plus show, period, I think is how just revolutionary it, it is in, in the way it utilizes the TV format. Like, and I think it's almost, it's disappointing um, to go from this to like Falcon Winter Soldier on some level, not, and, and we'll get into like the, the quality differences and things, but also just because how do you, like we've we've watched Marvel for so long and at that time, the conversation had been for a while, is Marvel ever going to have a miss? Like when, when's it coming? And then obviously we've since kind of had those moments. But when WandaVision hit, it was like, can they do TV? Like, is this going to translate that, you know, some of the Star Wars stuff we had talked about working and some of it not working. And and then for them to come out with like the most TV TV show that could possibly exist. That's like, you like in what we've talked about before, like the practical effects of it, like the yeah, way that they leaned into like how TV shows were made. Well, and for me, I just want to add, kind of jumping off that yeah. as just like a quick summary, because people know my love for the show, but I would say one of the biggest things that works is just the overall execution of almost every facet of the whole deal. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but like, I I feel like, first of all, the acting is, I think better here than any Disney plus show we've gotten so far. I think you would toss Mm. out like Andor as like a, a a comparable. And I would agree to that, but it's different. So for me, even, me even rewatching Loki, Loki has some side character acting issues. Yeah, yeah, and it I think really we talked does. about that. But WandaVision from the execution department, and I could just just go on and on and on, like and especially go watch the assembled. By the way, right. for a lot of reasons, they have two lead characters that are centering this show that are like superior to any competition they had going at the time in their acting ability in Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen. The chemistry there, even from Mm -hmm. Infinity War on, the chemistry there is is already well-developed. It's clicked in. They both are so confident in their their characters, but the, the, the subtleties in their acting just above, in my opinion, what a lot of the MCU offers. Yeah. That is, on an acting level, to me, the one that I would say, like, these are... Like, this was the show that should be up for Emmys. It was. But, like, uh-huh. even in the acting department. Like, right. if someone asked me, gun to my head, hey, submit a performance from the MCU, they would be in my top five of what needs to be submitted, what the MCU can be when it comes to making an acting-driven right. show, not an action-driven show. It's a it's a story, an acting-driven show. But not only do they nail the chemistry between the main two, and mm-hmm. they're so good, it's the peripherals, too, that are so good, like... The way Catherine Hahn plays Agatha is so in and it's so locked yeah. in. And even, even the people that we don't like as much are still like, like even, um, and why am I blanking on his name? The, the bad guy that we don't like is still not Hayward. bad. Hayward compared to like, even Hayward has some good scenes with like when Wanda does, uh, uh, invade sword and like the dialogue there. About oh yeah, yeah. It's still good. Like there's not an issue with the acting. Yeah. Jimmy Woo, Darcy, 
both like turn in great performances. And then all of the characters, Norm, inside the village are turning in great acting performances. But then, yeah. because the nature of the show isn't action-based, the visuals, like there, there isn't much CGI because it's practical effects. It's shot right. on location in an actual studio and soundstage. And then because yeah. of the nature of the sitcom, they're making it have a vibe. So you're not questioning yeah, that CGI looks not real, but that's right. the whole point of it. Right. So like the practical effects of the visuals, 10 out of 10. Like, yeah. Yeah. The music is Christoph Beck's best work because he had to stretch himself with all these different styles. Uh-huh. And I think they nailed it. The songs that the frozen writers had to come up with oh, for the yeah. themes. Yeah. An absolute 10 out of 10. Agatha all along is an absolute banger. So I just, my point is what works is the entire execution of everything that goes into yeah. making a visual product. <laughs> yeah. I could go on for 20 more minutes. Well, I'm not going to. Well, and, and I, you know, in fairness, I think, Gets me fired up. <laughs> I think one of the things that um, that you've talked a lot about shooting on location. Someone did message me the other day that there are a couple things we've talked about as having that, that looks that look like they weren't shot on location. That I guess in fact were. I'm, they're not this project, but when we get to those, it'll be interesting to, to oh, have well, those well, conversations. Like that we had made an error? No, well, not necessarily. Just I, I want to say Moon Knight was one where like we had said that there was one. There, were, there was not enough on location in it. I think that there were more things than we had initially thought. Um, but so much of it is supposed to be on a set, you know? So it's like... So it is on location, yeah, quote unquote. It's like, that's not an issue at all. And so to think about going from this to Falcon Winter Soldier, which is both the next in our watch order and the next in release order, you know, when you have scenes that were clearly... Right. And that, I, you know, I, I get it that, that they're kind of almost like bypassing the visual hurdle. Right. Because, like, vision is actually painted. So right. they're practical right. affecting even vision. And they make the whole show not action-based. So the VFX artists only had a few times to do it. And honestly, the few times they did it aren't even perfect. Right. So they were just smart in, like, bypassing that part of it. Mm-hmm. And somehow they made a show that was so interesting anyways. Yeah. But that's that's what's so amazing about WandaVision, I think, is it was not trying to or needing to one up anything the MCU had ever done because it was so different. Like, Oh, good point. We've talked a lot about things being compared. Like you're going to compare naturally love and thunder to Ragnarok, you know, like Falcon Winter Soldier to the, the Russo Captain America stuff. Like, so let's not even try. Yeah. Just no. And I think it it was, it was an incredible way for them to start off the post end game. And again, Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to be the kickoff. And yeah. that is so clutch that it didn't work out that way. Because if Falcon Winter Soldier came out first, the comparison right away would have been like, oh, they're trying to like run back the Winter Soldier right. thing and it doesn't work. Right. But you're right. The way that this magically fell into place is like, yeah, this was so shocking because it wasn't even trying to do anything they've ever yeah. done. Well, and, it, and it's such a – I think sometimes we've been saying forever – and I think, or at least for the last year or so, and it seems like this is going to be happening, that I think everything would have benefited from maybe, you know, one or two less projects a year, not deleting those projects, but just, you know, pushing some things out. Yeah, you know, and I think there's a world where um, I think the Falcon or Soldier they could have just figured out exactly what they were 
what they were pitching in a way that made it feel like it was still going to draw comparisons, but a, a little bit like something that was a, a little bit above and, and beyond what the, well, thing with Falcon Winter Soldier that's, in, that's interesting that we'll get into is how timely it was in terms of the political content um, and I think how effective it, it was at addressing a lot of that, but I'm, I'm coming just back. wait, just wait. Uh, but I, I do think, and so in some ways that's what makes it so special and stand out. And I do think in those ways, Falcon Winter Soldier does things that no, no other MCU project has ever done. But I think that this is, that's when you start to look at the, the effect that trying to get things out that had been worked on or ju- the just the execution and, of those ideas then right that's yeah. what, because you like you go okay the ideas are good like in WandaVision they're good too yeah. now how how are we executing them right yeah like it, it could there have been a way where we just we looked at at Falcon or Soldier more as a totally different thing um maybe but I think that the beauty here is like yeah there there was no there were all these other movies that these characters had shown up in but you're not ending episode one of WandaVision comparing it to Civil War. Mm-hmm. You know, like... You're right, yeah. That's a good point. And so I I think that that's still super impressive um, from, you're right, all, all the different levels. I also think that it's just such a fun way to start this, this new saga yeah. because we are... You're so... Uh, like you start it so hungry for information and the way that this, which you talked about in your summary, the way it doles it out is so deliberate and so effective to where like by the time you finally get that episode four where you're just sort of caught up to the world, one, you're it's so satisfying because you've been like, what is going on? And then like you were saying, the cliffhanger where she gets kicked out, you're the most like that. Mm-hmm. And two, what I love about starting here. Well, M. Pietro, that was the other time that people were like, what the? Oh, true, true. But by that time, we had seen the outside world. So we knew that, like, yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. wasn't. Because at one like, there were all sorts of theories. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, was yeah, like, oh, yeah. Is this a new reality? Is this, like, you know? And so I think the episode four is great there to answer those questions. I also love that it answers almost all all of the questions that were being theorized about really early on and then also introduces a bunch of new questions. So instead of stringing you along forever, which some shows will do, right. it gives you just enough and keeps you going. But I also love that as an entry point to the post-endgame world, but also to this phase as a whole, that does deal in different ways with grief and loss. Mm-hmm. It is... I think much, much more effective to start off with such an emotional kind of undusting moment than it is to start off with the one we got in Far From Home, which is intentionally played for laughs as part of the like, oh, the marching band is back like in the middle of a basketball game. Yeah, right. I think that's funny. No, exactly. I think you need both. But you need, I think you need, you have this and you have Falcon Winter Soldier that both treat it as like a pretty serious thing. And then by the time you get to Far From Home, it's like, well, now we're with high school kids and, you know, we, we've we dealt with it enough. Like now it's kind of fun to see that side of it. So I'm glad you said that because we talked about, like as far as what works, we talked about the episodic nature and like wanting to know what was going to happen and how mm-hmm. fun that was to not know. And like 
I treasure those experiences. That's what I love about knowing movies. The first time I ever watched Lost, yeah. like you want, like just wanting to know what's going to happen. Super Eight, like any of these movies uh-huh. where that's what it's built on. Love that stuff. That's my genre. Right. The second thing, though, that's really really fun was the actual execution was so elite in all the practical ways of making a film. But the third and final thing I'd want to say about what worked is uh-huh. that it's. I don't know that the MCU will ever give us a better look at grief on screen. And I know that was like a ton of what phase four was about. And so many different things handled it well as well. Like, I think that's some of the best parts of Falcon winter soldier. Mm -hmm. And I love a couple moments in Hawkeye when he's realizing that. So like it's been handled really well, but as far as like, when you zoom back out and you realize that most of the entire story was about Wanda's grief right. and processing that and, and some of the dialogue that was written and the way Shackman directed those scenes, particular, obviously the famous right. one of what is grief and right. if not love persevering. And uh, like that line, I remember being so powerful that I thought they were quoting something else. Yeah. Yeah. That's how good I thought that line was. I thought it was a, a Tolkien line. Right. Right. Um, and it wasn't, it was just a writer writing it. Yeah. And, I think the look at what grief can do to somebody, like the different ways to process it, the different stages of going through loss Mm -hmm. and the way Wanda had processed it it with the flashback stuff. Right. Getting filler into a a time period that like we desperately needed more filler in, the Uh Civil War era, and seeing them actually connect there, not just the paprika moment, but now you have like an actual thing about it. And then realizing like, oh, it must have actually been really hard for her to lose her brother and then move to a different country and like not know people and like mm-hmm. it's dude. And then she's having these powers that she doesn't really understand. And and so just the look at what grief is, I don't think will ever be better. So that's the other part that was yeah. executed just to the maximum level. Which is and it, it, again, I think what I love about starting the reason I love starting here so much and ending with multiverse of madness is how much I think all of the core ingredients uh, kind of thematically are present, like across phase four, are present in one way or the other in both of these projects, which I think makes it such a great starting and ending point. And you kind of start to see what they've been saying. And what I love about, and we'll get into that with Multiverse of Madness because there's so much great stuff with Wanda and, and Strange. But here what I love is like the grief is not just Wanda's, it's also Monica's, you know, like they have that moving scene at the end that I think it's one of the things that I think does work better having, having watched all this closer together than on a weekly watch, Mm. because when episode four is still kind of close at hand, uh, when you're getting to the finale, you're still remembering how fresh, Monica's loss of her mom is. Yep. You know, like that happened years ago, but for her, it's only been a few, like the about the same as Wanda, right? Like it's been a few weeks. And so they like, they also the filling in of that. Yeah. Like the undusting, the way vision's now processing that Wanda. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really like, so when she says at the end, like, I know that if I could bring back my mom, I would, you know, and it's this moment of like, it's and I I love that and it makes me it makes me excited for for that character moving forward too because Monica is another like talking about all the things that this that this show did well a lot of projects in the MCU in, in Phase Four introduced kind of 
various characters that are either going to be new protagonists or, or like new side characters or have renewed roles. But I think Monica was really unique in like, I think there are similar characters maybe in like Loki that, that had a similar amount of screen time that I'm, I'm not nearly as interested in following up with as I am uh-huh. Monica Rambeau. Like, yes. That's another example, by the way, on the acting front. Yeah. Yeah. They did a great job of, of keep like never, and this is so hard. It's because if you give a character like that too much screen time, then people will start to say like, oh, this feels like, like, isn't this supposed to be, like, they should have just made it a Wanda show. Like, sure. they were trying to do too much. But they did just enough to where it all links <laughs> in. Like, <laughs> where they, I, I think, it, like you and I have said, it, it, it very much increases my excitement level for the Marvels. Mm-hmm. because of how they've, like, taken this character that we had not a ton of investment in from the first Captain Marvel movie and done that work of, like, now when I go back and watch Captain Marvel, it's the same thing when, like, when I go back to watch Thor, which is a movie that I don't really like that much. I like it actually a lot more because I now have the Thor in my mind that I do love, that I know this Thor evolves into and that's interesting kind of the same with captain marvel where it's like you go back and now it's like oh like i don't really care that much about this character here but because i know i'm going to care about her down the line i kind of do now and so again talking about the kind of rewatch thing but i i didn't want us to miss how great of a job they did introducing well not introducing because again she was in a prior film but developing yeah the you know fuller form of this character yeah and and it did that actually with a lot of things now that you say that like like i said the practical side of it of like the undust things but yeah her her mom like it almost improves it improves like the civil war era like i said it mm-hmm. kind of almost improves the captain marvel era ish yeah age it of ultron of, i think it, yeah exactly it gives a little more insight into a lot of different avenues yeah yeah, again, something that I think... I'm just kind of thinking this right now. It's going to be... I love the way this works, not thematically or watch order or anything, but just discussion-wise, because I know... I think you and I agree on this, and we won't get into it now, but I think that that's one of the major differences for me between this and Falcon Winter Soldier, is the amount that this goes back and improves other things and enhances them, and how much I think Falcon Winter Soldier in some ways almost detracts from, from prior, like, it doesn't integrate well enough to, like, bolster prior things. And in some ways, it can offer a reading that I think makes those not feel congruent or, or like, mm. doesn't, again. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but I, again, I just think that, like, that is something here that, I'm all in Loki. We've talked about that, right? Like the idea of like, okay, but like, I know that this isn't about the Loki from the Avengers, but this first scene is supposed to be that person still. Why is the acting so different? You know? And it's like, it's perfect here. It's just, yeah. And there are so many opportunities for it to not be is my point. Correct. Episode eight is just full of opportunities to botch it, to botch it. And, or, or to like remove, you know, like this, because you could argue like the civil war stuff with Wanda and, and vision is so kind of, like perfectly subtle, like, is it worth even going back and messing with that? 
And obviously it was because it's so it's it, then yeah. even the fact that they tie in those fake commercials so genius. Oh, like, I'm so glad you brought up the fake commercials. Like I, oh, it's so which smart. now watching I, I think the you can now see clearly which part of her story each one is pulling from, which I yeah. love. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like in the toaster one being the like first the sound is so, of like Tony Stark's blaster with the toaster. The yeah, you know, and oh, dude. And it's and then the flashing light on the toaster, just like the bomb that yeah. she yeah, there's all that kind of stuff. I mean, we're in the mo- it's, it's it was again perfectly executed because in the moment we were like, what the heck? Right. Is that this and this and this? But then you get there and you're like, oh yeah, that makes to- total sense. Yeah. Like it's perfect. That's what that's what's crazy about the show is there's so it's doing so many different things that I could totally imagine a world where we're reviewing it and saying this was trying to do too many things again. And it's like, it does the commercial mysterious lost thing so well, but then once you can step back and see it's all like, none of that is, is just glitter. Like it's all working towards the same goal. Like it's all furthering the story. WandaVision is telling. It's not like here's the real story. And then here's just some like fun fan servicey stuff. It's, even even to the point where I think you can look at certain episodes as as like representing the different stages of grief, you know, where it's like you see the denial, you see the bargaining, you see the straight up like depression that we get with episode seven, which I, I still think is, that's what Candace and I talk about. That's an episode that I don't think we go back to that often because not a ton happens. Like it ends with her being in the basement, and that's it ends with yeah. that all along. But a lot of it is just like it's Wanda in the house, it's Vision trying to get back from the circus. But I think even that, those are some of my favorite Olsen performances in the show. Like the talking talk to the camera, the like it's just a. Yep. They they show all of these different. You're right. Like it's not just like oh, look, this is the power of grief. Or like, oh, look, this is what grief can lead someone to do. It's like actually taking you through. Like stages. Stages, yeah. And with and you're with her, you know. And, and then again, I think the fact that you know Monica is going through something similar, you it, it, it just it unifies it all to where I think that you wind up also empathizing with these characters. That's how it makes those scenes in episode eight so heartbreaking. Yeah. Because – each one kind of gets worse. Like it's so heartbreaking to see her lose her family and like how like she was Mm -hmm. growing up at war. Then that she's like feels forced into volunteering into this thing where they clearly don't care about it. Remember like the mics on and they're like, everyone else has died, blah, blah, blah. Also because the family scene you were talking about, the track that I cannot stop listening to that's on our journey through the MCU playlist is Beck's Sokovia track. It's like, Two minutes long, and it is there. Like, there's a part of the track that plays whenever they're all watching the Dick Van Dyke show or Mary oh, Tyler yeah. Moore. Yep, I know 100% what you're talking about. And it like gets really hopeful for a second right before the explosion. And it is like, this is my scene, bring you to tears, beautiful. It's, it's unbelievable. Again, but anyway, anyway you were, okay. I didn't, well, I cut you off. Well, no, I was just gonna say, and then like the, the picture of her envision in that conversation is so heartbreaking because she's actually putting words to what she's feeling for the first time. Right. And then it's almost as heartbreaking to watch her have to say goodbye. Like my wife hates, like in a good way, hates the part when right. she says, like, I don't feel anything. Like when she's like, I don't feel you. Oh, when yeah. When she's trying to, because yeah. he's dead. And realizing, like, 
there's no point in me even like taking the body and doing a burial because it's mm-hmm. like over. And so like she kind of just sadly walks away and right. it's like giving up almost. And then obviously the, the, the conclusion of seeing it all, you know, her going to the, the plot of land yeah. that they were going to just live in some neighborhood and, uh, and then watching that, you know, yeah. Take it all the way back to the beginning of the show by creating that. And then also when she kind of comes to, you know, closing Westview mm-hmm. and, and going back to that plot of land, just having to like, well, that's what I love. There's no, there's no, there's no happy ending there. And that, and that like, she's still like, she doesn't have vision back or her kids back. She has to right. just still after all that, like, yeah, you've grown all this stuff. Walk away from that grief. Like, yeah. And be a better person somehow. Well, and, and it's like the, by the way, I was distracted earlier because I looked this up. I, this couldn't be right, but it was nominated for 23 total Emmys. I think that sounds right. That's what Variety is saying. Yeah, crazy. Okay, so I'll, here's what I want to do to keep this a little bit tidy. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to address the finale and then a little bit of what didn't work. Because, you know, for me, this is like a top right. five project, so I have very little. But, you know, also, again, to back myself is up for 23 awards, so there's not that much that didn't work. Yeah. But kind of wrap the finale talk to after this. So let's, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, so before I say what didn't work, I think, with the show, uh-huh. let me just say the things that I still think after hearing a lot of criticism about the actual finale work with the finale. Uh-huh. Okay, so like... Uh, we've talked about how I think it's like a, I think it's a perfect wrapping up of the grief side of things. Mm-hmm. It feels similar, not too dissimilar from the lost season six and the finale uh-huh. in that whenever there's a show that is so much built around what's going to happen, suspense and the hype, it gets almost insurmountable to live up to whatever you've envisioned in your head. And that's kind of what happened with Lost is like at the end of Lost, they brought it back to it's about the characters and how you care about them and their grief and whatever. But it's not necessarily about what was the smoke monster doing in episode seven of Uh of season three, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And I feel like in a way, the finale still takes you back to the core of this is not that Hayward's trying to stop her or any of this. The core of this is that Wanda needs to come to terms with her own grief and say goodbye to her, her husband and her kids. And, and that is executed so perfectly. It's so Mm -hmm. heartbreaking the way the music swells there. And when vision turns on the light and he's even kind of flustered and, and, and says like, no, I just, I guess I wanted to see you. And she says, and what do you see? And he goes, yeah. and there you are. Oh, man. And, and, and then that whole goodbye is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's so sad because now Wanda's kind of come to terms with it. So she's kind of in a healthy spot. But now Vision, who's this computer, is starting to go like, what yeah. am I? And then she explains it to him as he's going, dun, 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 uh-huh. dun, dun, and, the, and they're looking out the window. They know like the time is ending. Uh-huh. Like it's about to be over. And the, the, the way it swells to the theme, Mm-hmm. as they're like saying goodbye and kissing is like, it could not be again. It's like the shows remind you like, this is about her and her right. grief, not right. about Mephisto right. or about whatever. Right. right. So I think that is something that really works with the finale. And I think some of the little critiques are overblown. Just like we said about the rewatch stuff. Mm-hmm. There are things I think if you watch again and it's not an isolated episode, it's the one time I think where the episodic nature doesn't help it because we had so much time to build up to just 30 minutes yeah, of a yeah. finale 
that really maybe felt like almost rushed because we had been on this episodic sitcom thing. Yeah. So I think there's very little they could have done in the 30 minutes to make everybody fully satisfied. Mm -hmm. So like little scenes that bother people just never bother me. Like Haywood would never go in there and just try to start shooting kids. Well, he's clearly let like this situation run out of control and he lost control of his emotions. So to me, it's like, it doesn't bother me. The pacing even doesn't bother me with that. And like you still get the fulfillment of the Scarlet Witch thing, which I think is so cool. The reveal of that with yeah. the with the runes and her coming down in in her outfit and um and some of the like slight visual things of like the vision versus vision battle, they don't bother me as much anymore. I don't think it's as bad as like again. I think yeah. we were watching it the first time. Everyone was hypercritical. It was asking this episode to stand on its own. Mm-hmm. When now watching it as a whole, kind of counter to what you said. The other eight episodes almost work better as episodic nature thing. Yeah. But now I think this almost works better when you can just kind of finish it and, and yeah. deal with it. So I think there's still a lot that works with the finale. I want to hear your thoughts and then I'll tell you like big picture. I think what are the things that I think were a slight missed opportunity? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's uh, my, my brain just goes to defending things for some reason. Uh, and this is one like the Hayward shooting the kids is actually an issue that I've had before, uh, and I'm not saying I don't have the issue there, but I guess you could also argue that he knows that they are not real, like that that they're projections of Wanda and they're attack like they're using powers, right? So I mean, again, it's that's a stretch, but you could argue like it's not like he is shooting like a, a an actual kid. He's shooting like a mental projection. And even you had a little more critique of the finale. Not to, you know, some of our listeners. Yeah. Even you, A, you still enjoy a lot. Yeah. And B, you understand what I'm saying with, like, the, the yeah. brief, yeah. the acting, the performances well, there, the reveal of the Scarlet Witch. That's all really awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, on my last rewatch, I had very I had very few issues with the finale. I think that the... the I also kind of like that the Vision v. Visions showdown is ultimately settled by dialogue. Yeah, okay. Like, that so, makes yeah. more sense to me. Well, so one, I don't, and again, I'm not the VFX guy, but I have never taken as much issue with that as I have elements of the the Wanda-Agatha interactions. And then you and I have talked about the kind of the way that they have Wanda fly out of Westview. Right. Like, there are things like that. That's one of the things I don't like. Like, she should have, in my opinion, just looked at Westview and done, like, the weird disappearing thing. Yeah. And then it'd be like, oh. Or just show her. have to have her actually, like, a witch fly yeah. out, like, on a broom. Well, like there's the there's the moment where she walks out of town, like we like from Monica's perspective, and I'm I just don't. But I'm saying even if she wants to get away fast, like there are a lot of other things to do other than her, yeah. like, you know, stopping to like pan back and look at town, and then like, yeah, you know, like yeah, launch no, away, for sure. Which is one of the biggest critiques I have of the show, which is so minor, but I hate yeah, it. Yeah, no, but I'm just thinking if they had just not even needed to show, like they just show her walking away and then show the post credit scene of her in a cabin somewhere and you can piece sure. together that. There are other options yeah, I yeah. would have voted for in the writer's room. But but yeah, I think uh, the vision v. vision stuff, I, I don't see much, but I think one thing that's interesting here uh, that that is maybe uh, it's it's the only downside of what WandaVision was doing is, like, if you look at a finale that, and this is no surprise, that I think defied expectations when it comes to this kind of stuff, it's the Loki finale, where, like, I yes. think it's the high, it's the height of the show. Correct, yes. It's the best part of the show. And, and it's because... Which is almost impossible to do. It's like yeah, Endgame. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and it's because I think they reckon the the bulk of even even though there are elements of the finale that are not just Loki and Sylvie talking to He Who Remains, even the other parts of like when you have Mobius and Renslayer, like it's still just it's conversations, and they they take it's it's almost the exact opposite of what WandaVision did, in that so much of Loki is like crazy, kooky, trippy stuff. And you do have more action and sci-fi elements. And then you get to the very final episode mm. and it's, it's like an episode of West Wing, you know, and like the amount of they like, talk. yeah. And I think WandaVision, we just talked about how like for the first, certainly the first like five or six episodes, at least from Wanda's perspective, but even you could argue like through episode eight, it's almost all felt grounded except for like until you start to get into the Agatha, like the Agatha stuff at the top of episode eight. And then that kind of bleeds into episode nine is when you take a show that aesthetically has looked and felt a certain way and felt kind of like initially classic and sitcom-y. But then even once you got to like episode four, there was a lot made of the fact that like WandaVision, like they were using some of the same cameras and and techniques they had used towards the end of the Infinity Saga in a way that, like, grounded some of those scenes almost, like, Russo-esque. My point being, like, there was very little to prepare you for how much that aesthetic shifted in the finale. But I also, like, I don't really take issue with it a ton from a story perspective. It's just I think the that's the deal you cut. Like when you, like, I think that like, so can I just say this? Yeah. I, I totally hear you. I just think I totally get it. I just slightly disagree with those people. And that's where I'm going to end it. Yeah. Like I, it, you're totally right. It is nothing prepared you, but it just doesn't bother me. So like, I'm tired of not with you, but yeah, no. online, like trying to like defend that. That's huge. I think people forget how, little time there is actually doing that. Like people are always thinking of like the one shot of vision flying, fighting vision or Wanda. that's go back and watch it right now. Time it start stopwatch. A ton of it is like, they go back into Wanda's uh, mind and they go back into Agatha's mind and Mm -hmm. do the witch thing again, which is not a new thing. There's, she says goodbye to her family. Uh, There still has to be some stuff that happens on the outside. Wanda has a whole conversation with the whole town. Like there's a lot talking where Agatha's up on the roof and she's on the ground. Mm -hmm. There's very little actual like battle right that i think but people remember a few shots and that's like well the finale ruined it and i and i yeah and i think so again i hear you you're right you're not wrong i just that's not where my brain goes and so i'm not locked in on that and i don't know so i just yeah just for those for that critique i go i wash my hands of it no (laughs) no i i think it's um to me but you're right i'm not telling you you're wrong no 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 no. but i i think it's just it's really interesting and i know I know there are folks that that really feel like the finale somehow ruined it, like legitimately, and I think are coming at it from good faith. I just don't, I can't get there because there are so many moments that I absolutely love in the finale. And they're like, the complaints I have are so, are so minor. That's what I'm saying. So if anything, like I can take issue with it and I, I can say it, I don't think it's, it's the strongest finale of the of the Disney Plus shows. Correct. But I do think, like, to say that it... 
I just don't think it does anything that undoes what I what I like about the other episodes or what I like about the finale. I think the only I think what people maybe feel also is like it is different tonally. You're right. Well, and, and you need on some level to, and this is what's so hard. I think uh, to try to to try to do it in a way that's new and exciting and and pays off certain like cliffhangers, but also feels like it, you're you're wrapping like thematically tonally with kind of where you began. And so sometimes if you do that, it feels unearned. But like I, I think that's what WandaVision was trying to do by having the last really like emotional scene be in the house. Like they're coming back to where like so much of the show was happening with like the kids in the bedroom. That's and what them I the think room. of when I think of the show. Like when you say the finale, my brain goes to let's go home kids, like walking through the door, yeah. saying goodbye, to which I would say it's a 10 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. And so I, that's why that's that's the lasting memory for me. And I think that that should I think that's right. I I, th- I think you're right to remember that because I think that's the real heartbeat of the show. I think it's just I don't think there was any way around if they wanted to do any. I think it, it's really just the decision to involve to make that show involve like superhero theatrics at all in any way, like ever having a physical confrontation with flying people is just going to break with the vibe that we've gotten for the bulk of the show. Yeah. I think you're right. And, but so, I, and then I would also say, but we, we do know it is like in the Marvel universe where right. those people have these powers. But right. I get what you're saying. And I think you could argue that if it never went there, then that would be also weird. And also how do you really show how powerful she's become? Like, I don't, I don't think that the answer would be. And I thought it struck a pretty good balance between those. No, I, I do too. Yeah. I just, that's one but that let me I, tell you, let me tell you what I don't like. Yeah. Because that's there are things I'd fix, but I need to give this last disclaimer. One, this is like a top five project for me. We don't rank the shows with the movies, mm-hmm. so I haven't done this. But like, this is not even top ten. This is this is in like the Guardians Ragnarok level of investment for me. Yeah, people know that listening to this podcast yeah. now. They also know my obsession with both Vision and Wanda. Um, so that I'm not going to be the person. To crazy critique it. So if you're looking for someone today to really bash one of these things, mm-hmm. it's not me because like it's that good to me. It's that minor. So right. I'm going to do some minor things. I talked about how, you know, they built up the suspense and then mostly they brought it back to it's about the relationships. Right. I do think there were unnecessary things included that added to a, a feeling of being let down because they didn't address it. Like mm. when you go back and watch it, like why there is no point in making the aerospace engineer a big comment. Like yeah. there's no point yeah. even claiming like, Oh, I know a guy. He's an aerospace engineer. Yeah. It, they, they had to have known that's going to lead to people talking about it. And to then just mm-hmm. be like, it's just some random person. Yeah. And then never even like be like, Oh, that's not the real person or like, or, or this is my, you know, whatever my yeah. mom's like, sidekick or I don't know like just to make a thing of that there were a few things like that like the Ralph Boner thing I thought was kind of funny uh-huh. because I liked that you know they were aware that the, the audience was talking about is this the X-Men blah and they basically just gave the middle finger to the audience yeah but there were a couple times where it's like that one particular thing was not necessary in in fact you I think unnecessarily built up suspense that you knew you weren't going to be able to live up yeah that's yeah. one thing that I think they should have changed, like, a couple little lines. I I feel like that with some of the, like, all the devil references. You know, like, yeah. some of the, like, 
And again, it's I like a shot when she's realizing that Agatha's bad and, and Agatha's got the downstairs basement thing. Right. And it does that weird zoomed in shot on the fly. Yeah. Like, right. It's like, I get you're trying to say that it's just weird. Right. But that was unnecessarily misleading. Right. Because well, at that point we're in episode, what, seven? Yeah. So it's yeah. like. Well, and there's like. And there's the, no payoff to that kind of stuff. There, there are like a couple of, uh, of like play on like devil and demon and hell lines. The devil's in the details. Throughout. Yeah. Like. And she and there's the the and, and the way that all the other people who are mind controlled are kind of like leaning into that as if like more is going on right. than they're just mind controlled by Wanda. Right, right. And some of that, you know, it it is I think meant to be just to give you that what the heck is going on feeling. Yeah, my like I don't really see any. I mean, I guess you could argue well the dark hole is sort of like demonic esque, um, but. I just yeah. don't, but so that one they doesn't. They were leaning into it. Yeah, that one I don't, I don't really, I don't think holds up. Like that feels random when I rewatch it now, like some of that stuff. Now, some of it's just the, their lines that could be taken either way, but like the fly zoom in. The, the one that like, and I totally agree on the aerospace engineer. And I think what I'm about to say is, is totally a headcanon thing. And I'm not prepared to be someone that that goes through screenshots to make a case for this for you. But for me, I think I've just decided that to make that feel like it is at least like halfway earned, I'm choosing to believe that the, the like military folks, or at least like the main contact she's working with is a scroll. And that that sort of is connected to the end scene with Monica where she is like meeting back up with a scroll that's revealing where Fury is. That's not a, again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to make a case here for anybody, but that makes it more satisfying for me because sure. it makes it one, a connection that only Monica would have. Time, more of that's coming maybe even. Yeah. And like, it just, you know, it feels like, and you know, one thing that I really love about starting with this project again. That's a good point is I like the way it, it I, I like this scroll scene coming before the Far From Home one because it feels like it fits with this character because this is the character that we've known before in the other project we had scrolls on. And I think, like, you don't really, when she says, like, your friend, like, I'm, I'm here for an old friend, like, and then points up, you know, yeah. You don't really know for sure who that, like, is that Captain Marvel? Is that Fury? Like, we still don't totally know. But then in Far From Home, in two projects, we'll end this first chapter with kind of the follow-up of that and the scene of of both seeing other scrolls on Earth, which is now, like... Because that's another thing, right? Like, if we just look at Far From Home, it's, like, our scrolls on Earth? Or is it just, like, our main character scrolls are there doing Nick Fury a favor? Because it's Talos and... Like, but if you start back with WandaVision, it's like, oh, there are, like, there are scrolls here? Like, why are there scrolls here? And then once we get to Far From Home, it's like, oh, this is, like, a bigger thing than we thought. And Nick Fury is not even Nick Fury. And so I, I'm choosing, I guess, to infuse that, that, like, scene that was one of the more unsatisfying ones to me in the initial watch with extra scroll meaning to... To make me happy. Well, and that's a good transition because there are probably a few things that I still, like as far as going forward, like there are probably a few things that we haven't had resolved yet that still could be. It's not like it's over yet. Like, yeah, true. You still could 
you know, follow up on certain things. Like right. Secret Invasion might touch, the Marvels could touch on yeah. something about that related or whatever. Right. Um, I think the biggest critique I had live uh-huh. and then I haven't backed off on on any rewatch. People on video are watching me have to mess with my ice packs. <laughs> I love it. And in general, we got to wrap this up just practically speaking, to be honest, audience, because like Candace is probably going to come home soon. It's really late. I haven't eaten. Yeah. This is going to take me so long to edit if it's pushing two hours. Yeah. So just uh, to get this out in time. But um, let me just say this last big one and then a couple yeah. little ones. They're, I'll go quick here. The, the, I think the big, the biggest critique I have is I can't fully reconcile the inclusion of white vision into the show in general. And I remember yeah. when I was watching WandaVision live and like, I think it's episode seven or even eight when they're like, we have a new sentient weapon that's now online and it's a white vision. And that was built up too. Uh-huh. I remember being a little bit disappointed because of all the emotions that come with that. Like, man, are we, are we, are we trying to find a way to re-enter vision into this yeah. story? Um, is there gonna is this gonna just open the door for like a long-term redemption of that person becoming vision? Yeah. And in general, do I need to see vision battle vision? And that now that I've had time to say with it, like they haven't followed up on it ever. Ever. Yeah, and so like yeah. it almost feels like that was almost like shoehorned in at this point. Now yeah. maybe three years from now they're gonna like bring him back in. Right. I just still don't know. Like, was that necessary? I mean, could it not have been like another like Iron Man esque robot that Vision battled, or yeah. could it have ended with Vision telling him the truth and White Vision like Icarusing it and like committing suicide into the into like the wall that Wanda had built that right. he didn't get away. Right. Like, could that have been the end of the story that he's like now? I mean, we didn't have emotional connection to White Vision. No. So I don't think you're like dis, you know decimated that he's leaving. Yeah. So like I just I just don't know. I don't know that that was necessary. No. That's my biggest critique. I think I that's think. a good that's a good observation. And, and that part of the story isn't even really introduced until the seventh episode. So like it's not like yeah. you, like you could have had the whole show, and then you would say someone might say, well, but he was like tracking vision the whole time, so maybe his whole plan, you know, the, the whole right, time was right. to do the sentient weapon thing. Sorry, I'm getting worked up here. No, no. To which I would say. Okay, but isn't there a version of that story where, like, he's still tracking Vision, but he never actually gets to the point where he's able to rebuild Vision? Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe Wanda doesn't let him get that far? I feel like... And then that also then creates, like, the visuals of the fighting at the very end, they're not bad at all. It's not right. Moonlight. It's not Moon Knight bad. It's, like, pretty good. Yeah. But the slight concerns I have with, like, the four shots of people flying where it looks a little goofy, including uh-huh. Wanda leaving town like we talked about... You wouldn't have even had to have those. Yeah. You wouldn't have had to have those because you could just not have vision, you know, fighting vision. Yeah. And that maybe would ease some of the action concerns that people are like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Yeah. And lastly, because I think, again, the action concerns of like Hayward coming in, that makes sense to me. Yeah. That was their goal the whole time. Right. So that's not out of left field. Part of the out of left field thing is like seeing vision, fighting vision, flying around. And then lastly, literally, I think lastly, I, that also plays a little bit into, like like you said, like the character design of, like, Agatha. Mm-hmm. In in this case, I'm, I'm specifically, like, critiquing, like, our friend Andy maybe with, like, the costume of, like, what they decide her to look like with, like, right. long fingernails. Right. Purple, flowy dress, hair blowing up in the wind. It looks very, like, Disney. It does. Like, yeah. Disney evil, you know, yeah. witch. Yeah. And... I don't hate it. Again, this is top five right. for me. But there's a few things like that where I'm like, I think that's like a lot of what people's lasting images of that finale. Yeah. And that's not fair because that's not the majority of it. But 
Yeah. I wish she had just tweaked that. Like, I yeah. don't even know that I needed her flying right there when she's talking to her at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, like, she was so much more sinister to me before that. Right. Review. As, like, the neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, when she's, like, when she's walking Wanda back through her. Yeah, still past, wearing, like, her normal Yeah. And, like, and, the ponytail. Yeah. Like, she's more, like, yeah, it, it's, it's the total. It's like when Wanda makes her swap to her costume, which I still think. The Scarlet Witch costume in WandaVision is excellent. It's like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is, like, intimidating. And I just didn't, I don't, I totally agree. Like, So those are, like, the three main things that I leave going, well, they weren't perfect. Yeah. The inclusion of White Vision in general, like, yeah. there's probably an argument to be made, and I'm open to hearing it. And they definitely could retcon this in the future. Like, yeah. they'll bring him in and whatever. Who knows? Right. I'll still reserve the right to not like it potentially. Uh, and then the few misleading, like intentionally misleading suspenseful things. And then a couple of the visual costume designs, like the visual of the fighting, the visual of Wanda leaving. Mm-hmm. Those are like my three, like they could have been improved things, but like I've heard the critique of Wanda just leaves town. Doesn't have any consequences. That's total BS to me. I'm like, okay, first of all, like no one is actually physically able to hold her to those consequences. Right. If she can just fly away. Right. She absolutely, it would make sense that she would. She doesn't want to like subject herself to paperwork in jail. Yeah. So she yeah. also is conflicted with all this. So she just runs away. That makes sense to me. And they, yeah. even, even if they wanted to stop her, they couldn't have stopped her. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. So there, I've heard some of the other ones too that I'm like, no. So those are the three for me. And you just, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. There are other, there are so many, there are so many instances of that sort of thing in the MCU where it's like if you if you start chasing down every like well wouldn't this person have super been super practical like yeah like i just i think you have to recognize and yeah like how would they find her and and but i would yeah i think those are really one i i think i agree with you on those on the yeah the agatha costume design i think was a real m- miss not in that it's terrible but i think in how it pulls you out yeah it, it it's just so bold like for the again for the vibe and remember that comes in at the end of episode eight and episode eight's been such a like grounded when you say like nothing could have prepared us for that that's what i'm thinking of it's like that kind of thing like if they remove that shot right right that's the part where i'm like man yeah and that feels like a weird call i i do think uh the white vision thing is interesting too because now that I'm thinking about it, it feels like a perfect uh, additional credit stinger, right? To just basically like take the stinger that was that we had before episode nine and just put a different version of that at the end of the season. Like if you want to bring in White Vision, like to which I even fundamentally would say, I don't know that I need another vision. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. Yeah, I think the reason sort why, of like a multiverse vision or something. And I think that so. This is going to come up a lot. I'm not going to bring it up now because we've already gone a while, or I'm not going to go into it now, but I've been reading through a lot of the Kurt Busiek uh, Avengers stuff that we talked about a little bit in our interview with Lansing and Kelly. And it's it's fascinating to read now because I this is something I think I'd read these some of these issues a long time ago but had not revisited. Um, it, it's it's crazy how much in there we've already seen either show up in phase four or announced for phase five, mm. um, including a lot of, a lot of Wanda stuff that I had not realized uh, was so rooted in this run, 
but like some of the stuff we're going to be getting in terms of uh, like Wonder Man and the Thunderbolts, like all of this stuff is happening back in this like late 90s, early 2000s era of comics, which is really interesting because that's often seen as a more controversial era of comics. Although, as far as like going forward still in the MCU. Yes. Yeah. yeah like, they can mine those things. What's, what's cr- even more? Yeah. Well, that's what's, I mean, because what's been, I, I would argue a lot of what's been mined in the MCU to date. And I want to do a Friends from Work Plus episode just on this because uh, I think it's a really interesting question to have in your mind is either straight up like 60s origins, like going back to like the Doctor Strange origin, like the actual Avengers coming together to fight Loki and 2000s and on comics because modern comics writers write like screenwriters. Like that's why you see a lot of people live in both worlds. Kelly Lansing are examples of that. Jeff Loveness is an example of that. You're writing a screen, you're writing a script, but instead of having actors act it out, you just have someone draw that. And and so, but that's not how comics always were. They used to be a lot wordier, like we joke about with the Stan Lee times, a lot more kind of like intentionally comic booky, if that makes sense, like playing up the and so it's gonna be interesting to see now that. Marvel is pulling less from what I think of as really adaptable stories, like easily adaptable stories to stuff that's a kind of inherently more convoluted, more willing to be like comic booky fully in ways that I think Marvel now feels like they maybe have the cachet to do that they didn't before. And so a lot of that is back to the accessible discussion, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And, And it's getting into, I think like, as I look at White Vision, I think that, and this precedes the Busick run, it goes back to West Coast Avengers stuff and, and Wanda and, and, and uh, Vision comics. But, like, there is this whole story of, of Vision dying in the comics and then basically him coming back finally. But by that time, Wanda's moved on to someone else. Oh, gosh. And, and, and in part because Vision is not even sure that he is the same Vision that he was. And we get a little bit of that here in WandaVision, both with like his conversation with her and with White Vision. And so I see why they thought that was mm. an interesting thing to inject. So I don't think I'm opposed to the, and the White Vision story as a whole, I think is really well done. And Maybe really, that's the difference of our backgrounds. Yeah, well, and, and in fairness, I was not familiar with it as much before whenever I first watched the show. I was really only aware of the, the stuff that Tom King shouts out to in the Vision comic we, we talked about already um, and read for the Comics Corner. But I would just say I think, one, I agree with you. I think that you could take White Vision out of that finale and not – like, I like the Ship of Theseus discussion. So do I. Yes, um, I do too. But but you wouldn't lose that much. I think the I think the other argument to be made for it in the finale is just that it gives Vision something to do so that it makes sense that he's not helping Wanda with Agatha. To which I said, like, you could have had, like, an Ultron bot or something that he was, like, battling. Yeah, or yeah, else. yeah, that's fair. That's or, fair. like, a weapon they had created. or. But I think, yeah, I think you could pull that out. And I guess I would say, like, you can have – it's sort of like what we talk about where I, I like having Love and Thunder in our watch order before Loki because I think it, it makes this, like, Thor is now a person that doesn't really have – he's not tethered to any of these relationships anymore and he's having to find himself – 
work better than if you had you've already seen that Loki is in fact alive and well in, in the multiverse. To where here I would say like if you had gone through the like because it almost detracts from the final scene with Vision and Wanda because it's like we know that they're that Vision's body that maybe is now kind of Vision after he after Wanda's vision touches him is back. And so I think that had we not had that scene, and that's where I'm saying, like, just have that stinger at the end, then the conversation with Vision where he's like, who knows what I'll be next? And then you see this, like, some instead of Hayward, it's a random scientist, right. and he comes online, and then you're like, oh, holy crap. Like, what does that mean? Is that the vision that we just saw that's now in this body? Is that an evil vision? Like, sure. is that a... So I think that that could have been a compelling end if they still wanted to inject that into the mythos without detracting from the story they were already telling. In conclusion for the going forward part, there's kind of four characters basically that you're left wondering about. And that's kind of, I mean, it shows the impact of this show. They're basically creating spinoffs now because of it, but you got to check in with Monica. Like you want to know what's going on there, but we're going to find that out in July. So that's exciting. Wanda, I already talked about like my favorite character currently. And I, I just, even though she's my favorite character, I would not want to be in the writer's room making the decisions because I don't know. I don't know what's the most fulfilling right. route. Like, I don't know if she should get redemption. I don't know if she should fall back in love with the new white vision who turns into the vision we love. Uh-huh. Or or if, like, she's just put that part away and, like, doesn't need that and that's and she finds fulfillment elsewhere. Or that, like you said, that like, vision comes back and now she's moved on from that one or he's, like, into her. Like, I right. don't know. Like, I don't know what to do with that character but I've loved it and I hope she's not dead and I want more, but I just hope someone better than me is taking <laughs> taking uh, control of it. Uh, and then the Agatha thing is like, I don't even know still to this day on a rewatch that I do need a spinoff show. We talked about this in our original episode. Like, uh-huh. I'll be excited to see it. I hope they handle it well. I love Catherine Hahn. Yeah. However, it's one of these things where it's like, I hope it's not too much of a good thing, which is like, it was such yeah. a good thing in WandaVision for her role. But do I now need to know her whole background? I don't, yeah. I'm not there yet. And then same thing with White Vision, which is like, I think he's going to maybe show up in the Thunderbolt show, or maybe there's rumors that he uh-huh. could show up in, in um, Armor Wars. Yeah. Um, or something like that. And I don't know that I need it, but I'll be interested to see how they handle it and we'll see if they can balance that. So that's kind of the four yeah. lingering threads going forward and, and then, two of which we kind of know and two I don't really know. And, and the kids, you could argue, but that one we've already sort of circled back on. With if you have Madness. never seen the rest of the MCU, you yes. Yes, yeah. look forward to the kids being followed up on. Yeah. But currently, having seen it all, I right. don't know that I need more beyond that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that we will... I feel like we will get something there, and I'm just curious, like, the— How does that get resolved? Yeah, I mean— Like, it, should Wanda jump into another multiverse and just say peace? Well, and it's—you know, in the com again, this is what I mean. Like, we're getting now back into—and we'll have this conversation, I think, over and over again as we go through Phase 4. But we're getting now back into really convoluted, classic, like, 70s, 80s, 90s— superhero comics which is like you're getting it well i guess i could even say this is this is bucking that trend because this is coming kind of from the 2000s stuff but like do you remember when we were going through wandavision and i was trying to explain to you the way that the way that wanda's kids are like kind of her kids but also not her kids yeah right like i think that's what they're gonna have to eventually do some kind of like 
they're from another universe or something and wind up here. Or the other universe, yeah, they're orphaned. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of the big, like, question. Like, I always think that in Multiverse of Madness, whenever he's like, what's going to happen to her mom, like, to the mom that you take the place of? I'm like, there's got to be a universe where she died. But I still like that line, though. But no, yeah. I do, too. But I, I think, like... But again, it's showing one is not totally thinking straight. Anyway, anyway, my point is, I just think that there are too many, there are too many young Avengers threads out there for them to not explore it. Because at this point, we've got Kate Bishop, we've got America Chavez, we've got, um, gosh, who was I just thinking of? Uh, oh, Cassie. As you know, like it, it, we're moving. It seems like the last ingredients really are going to be those characters, and they they wore their costumes in the Halloween episode. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think those are the, the those are really the characters. You're right that that we're following. The only thing I was going to say to go all the way back to our earlier comment about it uh, enhancing so much in the past. The two that I didn't want to miss are also Darcy and Jimmy Woo, mm-hmm. which are two characters that I think. Like, Darcy obviously had a much bigger role than Jimmy, but I think, like, this also, like, when I go back now and watch Ant-Man and the Wasp, or when I go back and watch Thor and Thor 2, like, this gives me more investment retroactively. Um, And I think, you know, we'll work on the Darcy side uh, for setting up her inclusion in Love and Thunder. Um, And then, you know, Jimmy would get a little shout-out in... uh, in Quantumania. But yeah, in general, I think I've covered what I would what I was going to say. I, I think just kind of final thoughts here as a start to the rewatch and a start to this chapter. Um, I think the introduction of the Scarlet Witch here just as a concept was a really nice, even though we talked about some of the costume stuff being off, was a nice way of kind of gently setting the tone for some of the bigger, bolder swings that we got in phase four. So it's like it the fact that we have this kind of mystical witch makes a character like Gore the God Butcher not seem like quite so crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a nice way of starting. And her costume is unbelievable. Right, right. And and some of the other stuff from like Werewolf by Night and Moon Knight. But um yeah, I think in general, it's just a it's a it's a nice tone setter, like I said, in almost every way. I think it includes all the stuff that we want. A lot of this, like I'll, we'll we'll talk about I think again just as much as we've talked about multiverse of madness here I think we'll end up talking about parts of WandaVision whenever we get to the end of this with multiverse of madness um, so I'll save any more for that and I'll just say that kind of what I love here is this is such a perfect almost cold open uh, for Phase Four and it it sets the table it show gives us some context for what the world is but i think you come out of this with certain questions about how like okay we're now living in this post blip world what is it going to look like for these various sectors of life and i think that the biggest and like you know most direct answers to those come right after this in terms of the kind of geopolitical answer and falcon Winter soldier and like in some ways like a, a more international, but also more sort of like Avengers-centric answer in the form of, of Far From Home. Um, and then, you know, kind of everything uh, in, in between when you get the the high school looks and then also the the like bank moments and Falcon Winter Soldier. I think that it's just, this is a really nice, here's where we are. And then those will 
really like continue to fill in those gaps and set us up to move further once we get into the the next chapter. I love it. That's a great closing word. Hey, thanks. There we go. Uh, I like the project. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> this has gone on so long that my camera literally shut off on me during your yeah. last uh, Robbie rant there. So that's good. I'm glad you covered some ground. <laughs> um, I can tell this is going to be a really fun exercise for us to go through all of it because as much as I love this, I have some fun on the other side of things, things to say about Falcon Winter Soldier, which is what we're going to yeah. be talking about next week. But I'm almost equally as excited to talk about that because mm-hmm. it's sometimes fun to look back on things that way too. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and by the way, there's a lot of good things in Falcon Winter Soldier right. as well. But that'll be fun. So next week, talking about Falcon Winter Soldier, if you want to you know, stay in, uh, in the loop with us, start mm-hmm. watching that again. But in general, thanks for listening. If you can support the podcast, we would absolutely love it. So we are increasingly making more and more ways for you to do that. Um, probably the best way to do it is listen to this podcast, tell people, subscribe to it, et cetera. But if you can join friends from work plus that really helps too. Mm-hmm. We are about to launch Friends from Work Plus 2.0 coming really soon. A soft new launch of how we're looking at Friends from Work Plus. And mm-hmm. we are so excited about it. In fact, as soon as I hit stop on this, Robbie and I are going to go in the car and go to Torchies where we're going to talk about Friends from Work Plus 2.0. So yep. could not be more excited about it. So thank you so much. Listen to the podcast. Tell people. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're trying to grow that side of it. Mm-hmm. Check us out on Spotify, on Apple. Check out Friends from Work Plus. Uh, If you're into that kind of thing, you can subscribe on Apple as well through Apple subscriptions. And we try to stay in touch with people and hit people up on social media at the FFW podcast anywhere. Twitter's become really conversational for us over there. Instagram, we post some cool videos. TikTok's become more fun videos. And then YouTube is our full-length videos and sometimes our full-length interviews on YouTube that aren't even in the podcast. So if you want to get the full version there and the hub for all of that is our website, the FFWpodcast.com, where you can also donate to the podcast and buy some merch, et cetera. (gasps) And that's that's going to be good to keep in mind because it it can start to sound overwhelming the way things are going to to multiply. And yeah, but it's, yeah, if you just go to the FFWpodcast.com, you can get to anywhere else. And just to, to say, I don't, we don't know yet how this is going to look, but just because you mentioned interviews, we have one coming yeah. that is maybe my favorite interview yes. we've ever gotten to do. And we've gotten to do so many yes. fun interviews. Uh, so it's definitely the most impactful interview we've ever done in terms of this podcast and just how much fun it was. Right. So you'll know why when you hear it. Yeah. So look out for that as well. That's true. And I'll just say this really quickly. We are going to be increasing some stuff on the friends from work plus side that includes a little bit more writing. I'll, 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 again, there'll be more details coming soon. Mm -hmm. But one of the things you can do is if you go to our website, we haven't ever made a deal of this at the bottom of our website, the FFWpodcast.com, there is actually a way to join our mailing list, which actually I highly encourage you to do because Mm -hmm. yes, we have some message ability on Patreon and stuff. But if you're like an Apple subscriber and you want to stay in touch with the actual written side of friends from work that Mm -hmm. Robbie, you know, Robbie writes something or whatever, the best way to do this is join the mailing list so that we can make sure you're getting those messages as well. If Mm -hmm. you're not on Patreon, I don't know if that makes sense, but check out our website. Yeah. There's so much coming. We're going to have a huge announcement video about all this stuff Mm -hmm. where it's going to be really obvious, but we are so excited. This episode only just increases my passion, excitement for where we're going. And so 
Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier here on Friends from Work. Bye.